sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast Okay, welcome again to another interview for Environmental As Anything. Uh, today we are lucky to have on the phone line Shay Dougal. Shay is an expert in safety, uh, a professional who through her 20 years of consultancy has provided health and safety support in Australia, UK and USA across a range of industries with a strong connection to the construction, waste, gas to energy industry. In March 2019, she completed her Masters. Most recently, Shay has become deeply engaged with advocating on behalf of farmers required to host the unconventional gas industry in Queensland. She's speaking to us from Chinchilla, which uh, the industry calls the Surat Basin. Hey, Shay. Hi. How are you going, Sean? Nice to be here. Thank you. No worries. Thanks for making time to speak to us. uh, It was great to see your response to the Gisera report, which blithely declared fracking is safe yes that's right um i was moved to make a response to that because the headline was fairly sensational and really didn't reflect exactly what those reports were discussing nor was it really um, the headline was being exaggerated into the broader spectrum of the csg industry which again wasn't accurate either Mm. So it was more or less, uh, you know, that it was Appia who predictably barks a bold claim that Syro's study finds hydraulic fracturing fears unfounded. So they, they, you know, Appia being the, uh, the 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 peak body for the uh, for the industry, isn't it? That's right. That the uh, Appia is the industry's lobby group. So they are basically they sing with one voice. Appia is the group who um, does all of the PR for the industry and lobbies directly the government and the departments involved in managing this industry. And what we've got here is um, a three-edged triangle where, and it's a consistent repeating triangle throughout this entire experience of the CSG industry in Queensland. And it starts with this um, gas industry in sweetly in the slipstream of the regulation process. So they're sitting there beautifully just slipstreaming down through this um, industry development. On the other side of the triangle is the impacted landholders who are just caught in the middle between the slipstream of the industry and the tone-deaf studies that have been done by um, industry-funded study groups. So again, the, the landholders are always left out in the middle and in the cold. So um, the landholders and the environment don't get a look in when the industry's uh, got uh, looking to line its pockets with uh, billions of dollars. Yeah, and they're getting a sweet ride as far as the regulation goes. In the very introduction, the executive summary of one of those reports, they um, go to a lot of trouble to say that even though they, uh, there is significant monitoring done by the industry and there's intense regulatory oversight of the industry, the public are still concerned about the impact of hydraulic factoring mm. so that in its even that in itself gives you an idea of just how tone deaf these types of reports are and they say that it's tone deaf because um they, they're consistently missing the point yeah. um so this industry has taken off like a cat 
with a cracker on its tail. <laughs> and, it's, and it's left the legislation and it's that. This legislation is not able to keep up to it. And it's been, which means that the, it's impossible to do any enforcement mm. of this industry, any compliance monitoring of this industry. The landholder is left at the pointy end of this process. So the government gets, does all of its um, permitting and, and, and um, it, all of its permitting at the front end here, uh, which is done on a very piecemeal basis, very little cumulative consideration mm. on one project after another, not looking at the big picture. And that leaves the landholder at the pointy end. All of this happens with no consultation to the landholder or their needs. And then finally, here they are expected to sign a contract or live with it in their community or mm. on their fence line. And they've got to go toe-to-toe with this BMS. Yeah. So, so what happens is these industry-funded studies are being undertaken. They come galloping in now, 10 years later, with their study on 10 wells in Roma and call it comprehensive. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, you know, this, uh, in your article, you say this media release from Jacera states a comprehensive three-year scientific study into the air, water and soil impacts of hydraulic fracturing in Queensland has found little to no impacts on air quality, soils, groundwater and waterways. Mm. And yet your analysis uh, goes on to find that uh, this is not really what the report found at all, isn't it? That's right. In fact, the... Uh, real basis of the report was the fact that they looked into the chemicals used mm-hmm. in hydraulic fracturing, not actually the entire hy- um, hydraulic fracturing process itself. They looked at it in just a very small sample of wells. Six, to ten. Six to ten hand-picked wells from one company in one location out of approximately 6,000 in the state of Queensland is not exactly comprehensive, as you've said in your report. Exactly. And the people at the end of the day expected to live with this would not expect that that would be comprehensive either. And and that and the people expected to live with the industry, the landholders, again, are left right out of this report. At no point is there any consultation back to the individuals who they are attempting to allay their concerns of to mm. say, look, you know, how does this... How, how do you want us to address this question? They are taking this question purely from the perspective of the industry and, and, and it's... And they're also... Um, maximising indiscriminate use of the word hydraulic fracturing or fracking. Because this coffee and gas industry um, has only a very small portion of that industry itself actually using hydraulic fracturing right now at this time. Hmm. The CSD industry footprint has multiple times where all the different processes involved impact air quality, soil, groundwater and waterways. And it's not hydraulic fracturing is only a small proportion of that. And so, by, and this is why it's called salami slicing, hmm. as a really interesting way of approaching study, where they take a very thin slice of something and then make broad statements about it, which is exactly what's happened here. It's just another form of cherry picking, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And, and look, I, I also want to say um, that I'm quite sure, and I have met a couple of the people involved in this study, these researchers, they're by absolutely conscientious and determined people don't get me wrong mm. i'm not i'm not taking the mickey there but i am taking the mickey out of the way in which these reports are um uh, uh, basically set up to produce a particular outcome and then it is marketed in that way so that jazeera come galvin they do their comprehensive report they stick an apia rocket up it and then it hits the stratosphere and, mm. and here we are back at reality 
the landholders all over this um, community are then sitting here going, yeah, well, um, you know what, that still doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't allay my concerns at all. And the way in which the um, bits and pieces of the report have been sliced, it's not really relevant at the end of the day. So a further point is that I make in this, um, just my, uh, my comments here, is about the fact that they say, you know, that that there, there were little to no impacts. Well, actually, just two quite significant impacts were identified in this report, mm. one of which is that hydraulic fluid chemicals are still available 40 days after the fact. Yeah, that does seem reasonably significant. 40 days is, is not an insignificant amount of time to have your water poisoned. No, and, and in just these examples at this time when they did this study. So that's not going off of a really bad event, an event where they didn't get in, um, you know, most of the material back out. It, it, there is no qualification as to what happens in other circumstances. It was only in this particular circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, but also the other um, issue was that... Um, I'll just find it now in my report. That, uh, the point there that I make about... That the, microbiolo the microbiological activity was also reduced in the soils yep. in the simulated spills that were made of the hydrofracking fluid and the produced water, mm. which is two points that when you look at it from the landholder's perspective, the person who's supposed to be living with this and these impacts are actually quite significant and very um, interesting. It's so, well, you know, what, what does that mean for me? I know that they pr um, spray produced water on the roads and on the properties in an attempt to keep dust down. Mm. You know, th th this has ongoing issues, but in this report it's said to be little to no impact. So mm. it's, again, the perspective that is taken is what I mean by the tone-deaf approach to these studies. Yeah, that's right. They do seem to be uh, all too keen to uh, let themselves off the hook, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they say that um, this is a substantially comprehensive study and they also say that, in fact, it's the first mm. in Australia, which, again, brings me back to the fact that the prob that three-way problem that we have of the tone-deaf studies, the industry in the slipstream of the regulations and the landholder at the pointy end going toe-to-toe -to -toe is all a result of this failure of our government to do any front-end risk assessment at all of this industry. Yeah. So the, the, the concept of this industry, the processes they will use, the cumulative impact of it has never been really properly assessed at the front end. So all of this is happening at the back end, mm. which means when they say things very proudly like this is a first of its like of this study being done in Australia, well, this is 10 to 15 years of this industry going like a cat with a cracker. Yeah. So that, that in itself is a problem that is tone deaf to the fact that, well, you know, that is one of our concerns is we would have preferred this data to be up front, not 10 years later. And it's a bit too little too late, isn't it? It certainly doesn't obey the precautionary principle to be coming in 15, 20 years later, does it? No, exactly right. And that's a real fundamental problem here with this industry is that we did have a very significant precautionary approach to our... And, um, development in this state particularly and that went straight out the window when the government decided it was going to put its loving arms around this industry and go like 
you know, the crappers. They jump into bed with them, basically. They, they, you, you've said yeah. in a, another article in the in, uh, Independent Australia that uh, uh, gas and resource companies prevail over the common good. Uh, this is about a month ago, you were writing, the government has prioritised the interests of resource companies over rural communities and the environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, it's incredibly frustrating when we have all of these um, facilities in place, like this, this industry-funded studies, the um, Gas Field Commission, which is very um, pro-industry. We've got the um, regulators and we've got the industry itself all standing in this solid um, black line and the landholder standing on the other side at no point being involved in any proactive stakeholder manner. So they're completely ignored from the get-go, which means that they are at every point with the Queensland audit report that was just issued in February saying that the way in which the government manages this industry has some really big problems. Mm. The government itself in its auditing capacity has been told that. And 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 one of the fundamental problems is that is that they identify was that the landholders are completely left out of the loop. And so then we have real life day to day, you know, all day, landholders really saying to industry Look, what on earth is that enormous water treatment facility doing 300 metres from my house mm. on someone else's property? Why are you allowed to do that? Why am I only just finding out about it now while I'm thinking about all the noise and the dust happening to my property? Mm. And, and, that, and that is way too late for, for that landholder. This is what the government has done. It has designed a process that leaves the landholder completely out of it with no rights, with no remedies, and absolutely no other door to open. And it is frightening because the other issue that they're addressing here is the impact on prime agricultural land mm. and strategic cropping land. This is, and, and our water. Mm. Um, I also did a recent um, article on the fact that we've had some landholders find that the baseline assessments done by the industry on their own farmers' water boards is, is incorrect, mm. is, is, is to a shocking appalling standard mm. and yet that so, so land air and water is apparently fine according to this study yet i know for a fact that landholders all in this area every day are facing very different outcomes yeah yeah and it's 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 the environmental and health outcomes that obviously uh, you know deeply concern the, the people who are out there and on facing up to these problems. And then of course there's the bigger picture of the industry being fundamentally unstable. You know we've heard uh, reports from uh, from IEFA and and many others, uh, you know, outlining how the, the 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 crash in in fossil fuel prices is uh, completely undercutting this industry. But the government still seems to want to suck up to them, and do everything they can to prop them up. Yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, yes, that was the point I was alluding to a little earlier where it is very fundamentally the government's policy. The policy of this government is it, it will do all it can to further this industry come hell or high water and, and to hell with any of the consequences. They haven't done any front end risk assessment. They don't want to do it. They don't want to know what these long term issues are. This is a short-term flash in the pan that they want to get as much as they can out of, which, mind you, we're not getting really what they expected to get out of it. And who is benefiting is the 1% of these multinational corporations and certainly not the people left at the end of the day living with it. No. 
So, yeah, this is a government policy. The only way that this will ever change is that that policy is changed, that they are forced to change their focus from this industry to a more sustainable future. And that is not a one-eyed approach. That's a sustainable future for land, air and water, for our um, significant businesses like agriculture that we rely on to feed and clothe our community. Mm. These that, that require the land to be in a certain condition, that require a certain climate and, 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 and certain things to happen, that this industry is philosophically opposed to. So um, this is... Well, fundamentally incompatible with, in, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've you've said uh, in in your article uh, for uh, for the uh, NorthwestProtectionAdvocacy.com, dot uh, com, that community groups are up in arms about this research. And uh, what what sort of uh, activities are you know are planned, or what actions that can we, can people take to support the community groups up in arms out there? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I guess when, it, when, it, when I wrote that, I said community groups. What I also wanted to say was community groups and individuals. So mm. um, what needs to happen is that we need to go back to this government as a community, as individuals, via our representatives, and very loudly require a response from this government to that audit report. So the Queensland audit report that was um, provided in February 2020 um, by the Queensland Audit Office, listed a whole bunch of expectations and recommendations, several of which, in the back of that report, the different departments responded to. And those different department responses are in black and white in the back of that report, and many of those responses are, yeah, well, yes, we agree that you might have found an issue there, but mm, we believe that we're following the policy of this government, so very little will happen. So we need to go back to the government and say, no, not good enough. We want these changes. We need these changes. We need the government to change its policy. So, and that will only happen with pressure and putting the fire to their souls. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Apply the blowtorch. Uh, that's that's the way, isn't it? The blowtorch to the belly. Uh, it, it, so, so what would people do? Listeners, now, if they, you know, they're stuck indoors a lot, uh, coronavirus being uh, keeping us all confined right now. Uh, what can they do from the comfort of their homes? Uh, is there a link to a, a, a Facebook page or a website or some other action item that they could take today? They could write a letter directly to their local member and to their state and federal members requiring that this action be taken, requiring that landholders be put first, requiring that um, the policy of the government to embrace this industry is immediately addressed and that this, this government turns to the left and starts embracing agriculture. Mm. And agriculture is dying cut thousands of cuts at the moment with all sorts of incredibly ridiculous legislation um, tying them up and yet there is very little legislation to support them standing up for their rights against this industry. Mm. So it's quite an absurd situation that really we need to, people to support their local agricultural community. They need to expect their government to ch make changes to protect their land, agriculture and water and do so by, um, you know, reinforcing this. If the government was to enforce a really... Um, appropriate and sustainable development approach like they used to in the 90s, mm -hmm. that this, this industry would be very short-lived. Yeah. 
So that's what we need to get our community to do. We are in control of that. It's up to us. And until we do that, nothing will change. And we will see some devastating impacts in the, in the short term. So in the next 10, 20 years, this industry and the big players who are here now will be folding and we'll be left with hundreds of thousands of wells decommissioned to different standards mm. and being operated by smaller companies with less money in their pocket mm. and lots and lots of um, pipe work under the ground that is just cut off at the end and you know can't be seen from the surface with unknown impacts, all of which hasn't been identified by this government at the front end, is being left as a legacy for the future. And, and this, this, that is the truth. So, um, well, Thank you for sharing it with us, Shay. Look, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there, yeah. but I think that's a good point to leave it for today. Uh, could you uh, keep us uh, keep in touch and uh, keep us informed about developments as they occur, especially, as, uh, as I say, with any action items that we can help with, we'd be more than happy to uh, help share them around. That's an excellent point, and I appreciate the offer, and I will do so. Thank you for hearing and listening to me today. No worries. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, and you know, We're very concerned about the uh, CSG and uh, the quality of water in the Northern Rivers. And, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be uh, much appreciated by our audience. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Shay. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.
at your mind Before renewable energy sources tell them You're out of time We gotta stop this now Tomorrow will be too late After the horse is bolted Ain't no use to lock the gate Tell them no Telling you, if you pull it up, our future's all run down. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.